<laughs> Just make it as confusing as humanly possible. Um, yeah. Okay. Hi, bonjour, welcome, bienvenue tout le monde to Unseen Must Sees, your movie watching podcast. My name is Allison. You can call me Allie, Al, or Abuzz. And I am joined by my co host, Kendra Timmons. And you can um, call her Kendra. You can call me Kendra. <laughs> yeah. Allison calls me Kendi sometimes, which I like. And I'm I call not a you- giant fan of Ken. You're not a huge um, fan, but of you know, Ken? I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna. Okay. I'm not gonna be mean about it. I also <laughs> sometimes call you Kendwa, Kendwa. Like yes. I'm trying to imitate the guy from what film is that? <laughs> uh, Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh. So what an well- honor. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. We're so happy to have you back. This is your movie watching podcast. We watch all the movies that you must see before you die. We determine whether that is true or not. And we love for you to join in the conversation as well. So please watch along with us. We let you know at the end of the podcast, which movie we'll be watching next week. So today we are talking about Eight and a Half. Uh, Eight and a Half is a film that is Italian, so subtitles. It is a fever dream of a film. Yeah, we. I really enjoyed the film, but uh, we're going to get into it live. Yes, we are. So the first kind of thing I want to bring up, Kendra, is one thing that just really blew my mind was costumes, sets, makeup, shapes. I know it was black and white, but I felt color as well. I saw the intention of the makeup, the shape of the environment. It felt very intentional to me. I don't know if that's actually true. I tried to read up on just some like Reddit stuff on what people said about eight and a half after I watched it. There's not a lot of cohesive conversation because it's quite confusing. I tried to see if anyone else had any kind of perspective on whether these elements of the film were intentional. Some of them were obviously intentional, like the lighting. The lighting felt obviously intentional, especially when Guido's in the car. Remember, he has just his eyes are lit. Yeah, that. there was lots of that. There was like spotlights in moments where that made it feel very theatrical. Yeah. It was like all of a sudden here's a spotlight. The person's in the middle of it and you're like, oh, okay. It, yeah, like when he had that moment where with all the women and his wife is washing the floor and then a spotlight lands on her. Yeah. Yeah, that those all were obviously intentional. I just wanted to know if, because the costumes on the women were so elaborate and or not depending on how he felt about them to me that's what it felt like I could not find that conversation online I I agree I think a lot of the costumes were really cool and I think this movie because it's so weird hopefully people have done their homework and have watched this one because otherwise it's going to be really confusing as we talk about it, but it was confusing to watch too, where it was just like trying to pay attention to what was reality and what was not. And I think the costumes and the production in general lent itself very well to that. I will say though, I found the camera work not as strong as it was in say Citizen Kane in a previous movie we watched. I felt there were a lot of times where the camera was really shaky or unsure. And again, I don't know if that was intentional. I just know for me, I was like, oh, considering that this film was made like 10-ish years. Is that right? So I think. 
Yeah, after Citizen Kane and was like weirdly not as smooth. Maybe this was the time when they were experimenting with like steady cam or taking the camera off its base. But there were a lot of moments that felt a little bit like you're watching the Blair Witch Project to me, which I, I, again, I don't know if that was intentional, but that was something that I noticed particular in the production. I agree with you. I think the costumes and the makeup were absolutely stunning. I think music was really present in it as well. Like that, the opening sequence, like instantly was like, oh, okay, we're listening to some music in here. And they were like mixed between famous orchestral pieces, completely nondescript or like made up or like almost just sounds in some places, which I thought was really cool. The only other thing I didn't love about it was that some of the sets made no sense to me. Like which ones? Just, it felt like a lot of things, and maybe this is cultural, maybe it's because in Italy, a lot of like hospitals or schools or things like that are in older buildings and are kind of just like making up for the space. But there were a lot of scenes in his childhood where everyone was kind of living together. The courtyard felt real. And then they went into the bedrooms and they were just like these, I just felt more often than not, they used giant spaces and then put something tiny or intimate inside of them. That made me question if we were actually in a school, if we were actually in a house, or if this was just like the biggest room they could find to film in. I don't know what you would call it. The rectory or like where he went to school as a boy was like that as well. Giant rooms where they were having conversations, milling about with like random tables all over the place that did not feel intentional. I just remember going, where are we? Like, what is this actual location? I think that will be hard for us to determine because we did not grow up in that environment. Or that era. Yeah. I found the whole, when he was a child with the bath, like the communal bath thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the communal sleeping situation for the kids. And and I thought, wow, I had no idea. It's very rare that you watch a movie, especially you and I in this 2022, can watch a film and go, I've never seen that before. I honestly had never seen or known that in Italy in whatever time period that was, I think it was probably the 20s or 30s, that children and the community took communal baths in a big, huge bathtub outside. In wine. I don't think it was in wine. I was. How, how did they said so, it? Oh, did they say Cause, it? Yeah, because I wrote a note where I was like, were wine baths actually? Yeah. Was that? I'm, and the water was dark. Like the, yeah. the color of it was not clear, which I guess could have just been like muddied water, but I'm pretty sure it was wine. Yeah. See, here's, here's another issue. Like for me, I had a hard time keeping up because I find subtitle films, not that I don't enjoy or love watching films from other cultures and languages as someone who has a hard time keeping up reading wise I have to I also have focus issues so sound mixed with reading I tend to not be able to read clearly so I I do miss certain things right and it makes sense that you also like focus on things like their costumes being different and Eyebrows. And and eyebrows. I was very (laughs) concentrated on eyebrows in this film. (laughs) There were some fancy eyebrows in this film. I I really just found, I don't know if those actors actually had those eyebrows or if it was an intention for him to choose certain women had certain shaped eyebrows because they all had very different eyebrows. And he made a comment about like whorish makeup. 
at one point. You remember? He, oh, yeah, yeah. He painted her eyebrows to be like Just thick like, and high. And then and other, angled down like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. And then other women in the film had eyebrows kind of like that. And I kind of thought, oh, is this him kind of peeking into what he's attracted to, what he's not attracted to, how he feels about certain women and the whole like psychology behind that. I don't know. There were so many questions. That's why I kind of yes. loved it. Yeah, I, I, I felt the same. I think I'm less team. This movie was great because I, I think and we might get into it more in the wrap up, but I think it just didn't work as a movie. It was a lot of great ideas that someone threw at a wall and some of them were really fun to watch. And I was captivated by the movie, which is great. The last thing you want to be is bored, but I also don't think it was a movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, so it's like a very 50, 50 on this. People are like, I don't get it. Why the hell was this ever made? And then some (laughs) people are just like, I just watched, you know, someone's psychology I watch yeah. just watch someone's mind and I'm on that fence I will probably watch this many 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 more times because there were so many morality and storyline was it necessarily the strongest no but as someone who really does like seeing other people's crazy a little bit mm-hmm. I I really liked it I really, really enjoyed. I would love to have a conversation with him. Maybe I wouldn't after this watching this movie because he seems a little bit like a chauvinistic pig since it's based off of his life and how he really does feel about people in the industry and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yes, I would ask him tons of questions about is this environment true? Was it outlandish? What was the intention? Those chairs in the courtyard, the ones that were kind of U-shaped? Mm-hmm. and had that shade on it I was like were those made by you are those common <laughs> are those were they just there <laughs> yeah because to me I was like wow like those are spectacular did he make those were they just did they exist another thing the whole like water at the beginning the the women giving out the water yeah I was like is this the holy water like I there were so many things there were so many questions that I feel like I needed to be Italian to understand or I would have the answers to which that's what I also loved about it I really felt like I was seeing into a time period and I was learning about a different culture to get prescribed holy water (laughs) for liver issues yeah an ailment what the fuck? I don't even think in the 30s in North America you would have been prescribed. No, you would have probably gone to church and like maybe been blessed with holy water, but you would have taken some drinking it. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was a big no-no. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so, it was so fascinating. I found that really, really, really fascinating. Also just the amount of like ocean and beach that just felt natural in their environment. A lot of the time when you watch a film and someone goes to the beach, the actor has the moment of like feeling the fresh air and the salt water on your skin. And as an audience, you love to watch it. These people didn't give a fuck. They were just like fucking wind shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, and like, it was like tumbleweedy and like not a nice beach. Like it, it's not like they went out and scouted the most beautiful beach on the face of the earth. They were like, no, this one will work. 
Yeah, it's the closest. This this mundane, messy beach is great. That's all we need. Yeah, yeah. I did read online that this type of film is very Italian for the time period, this type of filming and style. Because I, as I was watching it, I was like, wow, the black and white in this is really clear. Why is it in black and white? And it's a choice because black and white films didn't have to exist at that point. To make the choice of it being black and white, it did make a lot of those elements that I found really attractive pop. Yes. Like, like the feathers and the pearls and all that kind of stuff. And I think that if it wasn't a choice to make it black and white, that it was a good choice for those elements specifically. Yeah, and I think it blends well with because it was it, it was certainly an option to do color, but I wonder if color at the time was seen as like a gimmick because this felt exactly what you're talking about, where it's like it, it makes sense to me that this was the style of Italian cinema because there is this idea that European film is art and American film is entertainment. I think that stigma still exists in to a certain extent where it would have been like, oh, look, those silly people using color. How ridiculous. Real art is in black and white. It felt... In, from your perspective, it was such a good choice and it was so cool. For me, it felt a little, there were many elements of this film that felt a little self-indulgent to me where I was like, did we really need that moment here? Did we really? No, like, we didn't. I, we didn't so, need the whole thing. The whole thing was a <laughs> was a freaking jack off. Yeah, it was the just like- what? was watching someone masturbate. Yes. Was. <laughs> and getting to see Italy, getting to travel to a different- period and a different and something that was unknown i want i think the the water i think the ladies with the water was the mineral water i think that was like a spring that everyone went to mm. which is interesting because as to my knowledge we don't have any of those here in toronto <laughs> in toronto yeah no we do not <laughs> i don't i'm pretty sure there are some in north america but in toronto natural springs oh i'm sure there are in like utah or something yeah something fancy but yeah it was it was it was very something cool. fancy utah, utah you heard it you heard it here first <laughs> but yeah it was nice to get to travel to somewhere different and we get that a, a lot of the movies we've watched actually have done gorgeous depictions of other places and maybe it's just because i'm travel starved from having lived with covid for so long where even the idea of traveling is like oh wouldn't that be nice but it didn't feel like the stereotypical traveling that you would see in other films. No. When we watched Before Sunrise, oh, we we saw Venice the way that you you know tourists see Venice. This yeah. wasn't this wasn't Rome. Like this was a small town in Italy that real I've never seen anything like it before. Honestly haven't. And it's hard to say that, especially yeah. in the land of streaming services where you get to see everything. And that hotel with the with the uh, lions it's just like <laughs> this is the sickest hotel in the world yep i wonder how much it is how can i stay there does it exist is it even a real hotel i mean the sets felt real in an extent i know you said that oh, they were they didn't huge. to me they didn't i was no. I, I truly thought like you know now that i'm thinking i mean at the time when i was watching it the i i thought wow that's a huge bedroom those are huge hotel rooms dang it wow Maybe they weren't real, but I really wanted to believe that they were real. In the world that I watched, they felt real. And I see it. I, I could justify it. I could say like, oh yeah, this is built out of like an old, an old building that's been repurposed for this use. So you're just like throwing things inside it. But it didn't feel that way watching it to me. I just remember there were many moments where I just stood back and I was like, this is not a room. <laughs> Yeah. They have put furniture pieces to indicate what it should be in here, but they don't make any sense. 
I'm very happy. This is the first time you and I have been on this opposing side of a film, kind That's of. True. We're not even truly on opposing sides. Like, we just have some differing opinions. Exactly. Some in the past, Kendra and I in real life have been like, how dare you say that about this? And like, <laughs> gone British, apparently. Yes. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I didn't feel that way whatsoever. I did. <laughs> I don't know. I, I freaking I adored it. Really adored all the characters in their own way. I really felt I'm f- far from famous. I guess you're a little closer to fame than I am. But that idea only of, with children, only with- <laughs> the idea of constantly being bombarded. I wonder is it that intense? I felt like every time he tried to have a genuine emotion, it got flipped into my daughter is a beauty and da, 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 like whatever, you should have her in her, your film. And I just, oh my God, I had so much sympathy for him. And I, I in a sense, a little bit know that that is really intense. That's why whenever I am around someone who is on the famer side, I tend to not talk to them because I want to just like give them space, which may also be weird of me. But <laughs> yeah, it just the intensity of it all. Oh, yeah. I have a note. I have a note here that says this whole movie was just one long anxiety nightmare. Yeah, because I don't know about you, but I have anxiety nightmares like on the regular to the point where it gets so bad that my own brain figures out that it's an anxiety nightmare because I just, I have a moment where I step back and go, no, nothing could be this awful or, or nothing's happening. Like there's just a lot of things you have to get done, but for some reason you can't do them. Yeah. And then I consciously wake up out of that. There were a lot of those moments for me where I was like, yeah, everyone bombarding him and talking to him and the build of suspense, that first scene where he's like trying to get out of the car and everyone is just staring at him. Mm-hmm. And, and just that feeling of being completely alone in your desperation, surrounded by people like that instantly. I was like, oh, the beginning of the movie was like, OK, I'm, I'm feeling something. I don't know what it is. It's mostly discomfort, but I'm feeling it. They've got me. <laughs> it was a great scene to depict how anxiety feels. Not that it necessarily is in a car, but that you feel trapped. You can't move and everyone's looking at you and not helping. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, I don't know how you can help me, but also could you not? Could you pretend? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I felt intense anxiety throughout this entire film. Also, it felt like a lot of the questions at the beginning were a little bit more subtle towards him. How do you feel about Catholicism compared to whatever? By the end, when he was doing that, like closer to when the film was going to be shot Mm -hmm. and they had that fever dream of a press which clearly wasn't real, or maybe it was, but it was from his perspective of anxiety. Those questions, it all started coming down to really, really, really personal questions that you can tell he needs to figure out, but can't because there's so much mess going on in his mind. And I loved that about this film was that that anxiety was there. And it could be quite subtle at certain times, but then as the pressure builds, so does it, the anxiety and all of these moments that you would kind of go in and out of in, in the transitions. The first transition of them being in bed, him with the mistress, and then his mom being in the room. 
I liked that transition a lot. And then there was other transitions where, oh, this person reminds me of this. And then all of a sudden we're in a transition, all that kind of stuff. They were very slow at the beginning, the transitions. they To me, yeah. they felt very intentional. They felt very, um, oh, now we're in a transition. And then yes. by the end, you're like, wait, is it reality or bored. are we in another kind of fantasy yeah. land, anxiety, flashback? Who knows? It all started blurring and I found it <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> Opposite reaction. Fair enough. I just, I wish they had been more intentional mm. because that to me is what made them feel important. Exactly what you're talking about at the beginning where it was like, oh, his mom's in the room. And then his mom's doing the same thing she was doing in the room in the ruins or in that old area. And it was like, okay, I got like, you know, this, this makes sense. We're here. We're here. We're here for a reason. And then we got into some, and I also found it's difficult when you blur a flashback. So, cause presumably in, at least in my brain, and again, this is why I was confused and why I didn't like it was we got flashbacks, which were his childhood, the wine bath and the incident with the sex worker on the beach. Those things felt like flashbacks. And then other things were dreams and were not reality. They were not grounded in anything like the weird harem scene where he just had all the women and it went on for so long and was just so clearly not reality. Mm -hmm. And then the way they jumped back and forth, like I just found they couldn't have made it more inaccessible. Like if you want me to root for this guy and feel for this guy, because I get it's confusing and the brain is confusing. So I understand why you would do something that, that made it feel strange. Cause like Memento is like that. Mm -hmm. Another film that is very much about the human psyche and, and memories and trying to like figure things out. But I just think there is a, there's a line between completely over the top. I'm doing this for me, that self-indulgent thing we talked about versus I want the audience to be able to come with me. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think, I think they were in, still in the experimental phase and did not hit that properly, whether that was an edit or whether it was in the script. I just found personally that I needed more definition between when we were taken out of reality. Because even the end, I was like, is that what his version of heaven is like? So I, I read about the end and apparently that's something that he did at the end of all of his films, that group tour situation that director okay so yeah because at the end that kind of circle dance is like a celebration situation so I felt kind of like oh is this him doing like an homage to religion and celebration and love and all that kind of stuff and then I read that oh that's very his style so I think if we knew him better then that would have that would have made more sense to you that end yeah yeah maybe I but yeah. That, isn't that a fault where it's like, um, in order to know what's going on, you have to know me personally. That Well, that's, that's your thing that you don't like about this. Film. I don't know. Like, no. <laughs> it, it, it was very much, you know, there's no purpose to this film other than getting to know him for who he is, honestly. And he's not a great guy. And that scene shows it because that. Um, dancer who comes up and she says, don't send me upstairs. I'm only 27. Look how hot I am. All that kind of stuff. 
and he goes to to banish her and they all the women turn on him and say how dare you treat us this way and which i find very interesting because this is how this is his fantasy of how his life is and also his wife his wife is the only woman who isn't sexual to him which is extremely interesting because he couldn't marry someone who he could send upstairs however she basically ran upstairs she was the she was the mother basically of that fantasy taking care of everybody and making sure everyone's okay that's his wife and yet all the other women are his sexual desires and whatever so that that scene where he's sending someone upstairs like he's banishing banishing them off from his sexual fantasies there was no rhyme or reason to sending someone upstairs because that sex worker from his beach was i think forever going to be down like on the main floor downstairs with him yeah but it really the the use of white white fabric throughout this film the purity the clean the all that kind of stuff because at the end every woman had was dressed in white every single one of them so i thought is this making some reconciliation towards women saying i now respect you in a certain sense or we're all in heaven i don't know um yeah it was hard it was difficult cuz throughout the I don't know if it was intentional or not. This is the thing. Like, this is where I would love to have a little bit more information because his mistress, the woman who, I think her name was Clara. I forget what her name was. Claudia. Claudia. She was all, had the black veil and the black dress all the time. And then his wife had this white, very plain. I think Claudia was the muse. Claudia is the muse. No, hold on. Because there was the, yeah, because there was like his perfect fantasy woman who was almost my pick for day player of the day, but Clara. then she had a giant scene at the end. Oh, Carla. Carla is his mistress. Luisa is his wife. And yeah. Claudia is like that angelic dream. Perfect woman. woman. Yeah. Who was gorgeous. I mean, they were all gorgeous, but she was like at the beginning, I was like, oh my God. You know what? I actually, I know it's a, 1960 whatever we've watched older films we watched the godfather wasn't attracted pretty much maybe al pacino a little bit i was gonna say i was surprised at how hot cute young al pacino was but no this no he was what what do you think he was stunning stunning. he was so hot all the women were sexy and i was like we're are we just in 2022 living in 1960 italy and that's what we find attractive these days. But I was like, damn, boy, you are a cute little yeah. honey bunny. A specimen. Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you think that also. Because I just was like, maybe this is just like my type of guy. And he's not attractive to everyone. But I, but there's also a part of me that's like, no, no. This man is attractive to everyone. Yep. He is so good looking. Yeah. Yep. He is. And his performance was strong. Yep. In my opinion as well. Mm-hmm. His performance was quite strong to the point that I kept on forgetting that this isn't his story. Right. Yeah. That this was he, the director's life through him, which was so interesting to me because I there were lots of things with this character where I thought I thought that he was presented in a way that was like, oh, pity me, feel sorry for me. But then there were other things about him where I was like, 
you're not a good person though. And I don't know whether to attribute that to the director being very self-aware and putting all of himself into it, or if he put himself into it and didn't realize that there were moments. It felt like we were really trying to justify infidelity in this movie. Like infidelity was the norm. Like everyone he met and came in contact with was like, oh yeah, this is my mistress. And you were like, okay, great. And same for him. It was like this weird, I love my wife and she, but she knows and it's not a big deal. It's fine. Huge and deal. Maybe, <laughs> and maybe that's like, and maybe that's of the era, but I thought it was very interesting to have a flawed lead who, I, like you said, you did feel sympathy for in some moments as well. well. It was very obvious to me that he was incapable of expressing and allowing himself to feel true love. And the person who he felt the closest love to was his wife, yet he did things that obviously hurt her. And yeah. I loved that she showed up, immediately found out that his mistress was there and was like, fuck you. You yeah. brought me here for what? For what reason? What am I doing here? What is this? What are we? The way he looked at her, I found compared to other women was different because it was like that maternal thing that he desired. I felt like that was the only true love that he understood was the one towards a mother and a mother rejecting him in a sense. So yeah. Sexually, his love was weird because he clearly was unhealthy with it. I don't know if it's necessarily, am I good, am I bad? More like if you are in a closed relationship, your relationship should be closed. If you're in an open relationship, that's a different story. He was in a closed relationship. So when it comes to morality, his his was not correct. And no one around him was either for cheating on your wives and all that kind of stuff. But With children. Was, <laughs> with children. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But that, that impotence of not being able to completely merge family love and sexual love was, to me, justified. I felt like that was the whole purpose of the film was like, how do I, obviously the whole like him making a movie and having all that pressure and anxiety and all these million other things. But I felt like the root of the film was him trying to figure out how to have both at the same time. That's why when after that fight that they have in the courtyard, him and the wife, when the mistress comes and then they come together and they hold hands and they walk towards him. I was like, that's his ideal state. Yeah. Which not even in like a, he, he would prefer to probably have them in the same woman, but he doesn't have yeah, the know. same living situation. There was a lot of, I thought that was interesting. And I wonder whether Fellini who directed this also had criticism of people telling him he didn't know how to make a love story. Cause that was something that was repeated multiple times in this film where, whether it was a journalist or whether it was someone else or, or even the women who wanted to be in his movie would ask him, what is the love story? Like, why isn't there a love story? And this idea that he was like, he doesn't really know what love is. So mm -hmm. that's why he doesn't make love stories. And I thought it was interesting too, how his character was so well established by how everyone treated him. Mm. At no point did they explicitly say or have an expositional line where someone came in and went, oh, you're a famous director. And he was like, yes, I am. It was just, you could tell the guy was famous because of how people treated him and how they were asking him questions and how they revered him and wanted his answers so desperately. And so I thought that was a really cool way of establishing him as this, this guy. And I 
also there was one line which I don't often take like full lines but there was one where I think his wife says to him I only know what you show me Mm. and I thought that was a perfect description of this character because all of his anxiety we got to see in his weird nonsensical transitions that I debate could have been significantly better executed but we saw those and no one else did and it really was what he was presenting to the world versus what was going on inside which I think we can we can all relate to yeah. I also find that when we watch the scene of them watching, they called them screen tests, but they were just auditions. When they were in the theater watching the auditions and that, what was his name? Was he the Conquador? What, how did they call him? The, the rich man, the older man. Do you oh, remember I have his no name? No idea. Anyway, there's this, I, he felt like a producer kind of. Pace? Yeah. I think his name was Pace. Hayes was sitting in the front and saying like, can you say something? Can you say something? Let's get some like opinions here. And these actors are playing people in his real life. And he has no, he hasn't, he's like, it's wrong. It's there's no, no, no. And then his wife leaves because she's bored. And then this other Claudia shows up and they leave the auditions and he, they go to this courtyard area. I'm not a like, I, I feel like he actually had this moment with this film, casting this film, because I feel like these people were probably some form of person in his life. So I think that that moment I understood. I don't understand necessarily why his wife was bored. If I was his wife, I would have been so many more things than bored. And then why then? We're introduced to this character, Claudia, at the beginning of the film. And we never find out who she is. Yeah. And then she shows up in the casting moment and there's no role for her. There's, I I have to rewatch it. This is, I have shivers thinking about what is this? I didn't like that part of it either. There's something weird about the fact that he didn't really know. That's what made it feel like an anxiety nightmare to me was that he didn't know what the movie was about, but everyone was asking him what the movie's about and what their part was. And I just instantly got anxiety where I was like, yeah, why don't you know? Can you just forget all these weird dreams? Can you just sit down and like write the movie? God. Like, can you? <laughs> Type A personality can just like, yes, look, get to is. the point, write the film. You have all these people wanting asking questions from you. from you. It's so irresponsible. Yeah, it is. It's quite irresponsible. Yeah. But that's what the movie was about was about a director who didn't know what he was doing in terms of a movie and having this anxiety about what he's going to do. Yeah. And then we got this movie. <laughs> yeah. And th- that's why it felt like inception in a weird way, in a bad way. <laughs> I, I, I love, I did. I loved it. If it wasn't in Italian, I think I would have appreciated it more just because I would have been able to follow along quicker. Subtitles are hard. It's a weird thing, especially as an actor. Like, I want to be watching the performances. That's what matters the most to me. And you can't do both. You cannot read and watch a person's face at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I just don't know that there is a better solution because I still do want to see the films. I want to see the international films. I want to know what's going on in other parts of cinema and so if subtitles is is the way to do it then so be it yeah i'm one of those people who actually doesn't mind dubbing i know that they could it could be a little bit distracting to some people but i find that that gives me the flexibility to actually watch the performances because or else i feel like i'm just looking at the bottom of the screen the entire time but again that's no one's fault and not even mine so that that is what it is i have i have a one particular note here that says he has the audacity to call his wife melodramatic they're in a fight at one point and he calls her melodramatic and I just remember being like excuse me 
excuse me, of all the people in this movie who are melodramatic, sir, it's not her. Yeah, it isn't her. It is not her. Also, one thing that I found really interesting, just as a side note, before we go into uh, Two Truths and a Lie, they would say things like, sculpt, gasp. They would like say it out loud instead of being like, or whatever. And But they would be like, sculpt. What is that? Yeah, I had no idea. No, I just I, I, it's on, it. like many things in this movie. I was like, yeah. Okay. Another thing, do you remember when they're like sitting in the courtyard and there's a bird and they have this whole dialogue with this priest who's like, hear the birds sing and this whole metaphor situation. They only sing when this person dies. Yeah. I was like, that's not a, that's not a bird, my friend. That is a dying animal. That is not lovely. I thought that the entire time uh, I thought, did they really try to like record a bird and then bring it in there? Or is someone just being like, ah! like the whole time yeah, from off screen? So sad. <laughs> yep. And that distracted me for sure. Yep. Oh, and last thing I want to say before we're going to choose it a lie, when the the kids are paying the sex worker to do this dance. Yes. There's one kid <laughs> watching. And he's slapping his own face the whole time. <laughs> he's like, ha, 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 like the whole time. I just thought it was so I did not see that. Funny. Oh, you have to just go back to, he's the whole time. All the kids are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the dance, do the dance. And he's just like slapping his own face. <laughs> Is it to stay awake in case he misses anything? No, I just think it's like, it's so hot to him that he's just like, he like felt like the necessary to like punish himself. I don't know. Anyway. Are you ready to go into two truths and a lie? Yes. Okay. Bring it on. So two truths and one single lie. Okay. One. So since this movie is basically a biopic, Federico Fellini, that's the first time I ever said his last name, Fellini, once admitted in an interview that the first woman he actually slept with was that sex worker on the beach when he was 12 years old. Is that actual woman or the representation of that woman? The representation of that woman. Okay. Two. The movie was completely filmed without sound, and they actually dubbed it afterwards. Three. The film was called Eight and a Half because that's the amount of films that Finellini was the director of. Half? He half directed one? Okay. I can see the second one being true because there were a lot of moments where sound kept going and their mouths were not moving. And because I was also reading the subtitles at the same time, I thought I was crazy. Like I was like, no, that can't possibly be it. I must have just missed it. Like there were a couple moments where it felt dubbed, which I don't think I would have said anything about. But now that's brought to my attention. So I think that one is true. I think I genuinely didn't look at how many movies that Fellini has done. So that one could be true also. There were lots of times, especially when like I'm getting ahead of myself, but when I was looking up the names of people for day players where I was trying to actively like not look at anything else and just look at people's names. I think, oh, the first one is so sad if it's true or maybe it's not. I don't know. Get it on however you want. I think, I I think the last one is true. I think the first one is a lie. You're so good at this game. (laughs) No. Yes. Yeah. So I just made up the first one. I just felt like that would be. But it could have been true. Yeah. I just didn't want it to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could have been true as well based off what we just watched. But no, I I have no proof of that. 
So he directed at that point, he had directed six features, two shorts, and he co-directed a film with another director. And then also, apparently, that was just the way they did film in Italy at the time was they did it all silently. And then they just dubbed everything. So even the waves crashing, even that bird, everything was dubbed. Yeah. That's so much work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I just guess they didn't have the right technology yet for that wild or i'm sure they did they probably did have an ability to record sound on set but the quality was so terrible yeah if you wanted to do anything outside which they did a lot of stuff yeah i think that's why they did so many films at that point in controlled environments yeah but anyway Oh my goodness. Next, we're moving on to the musties. Yes, we are. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the musties, which is a shortened version of the must-sees, which is our rating system. So we have three different categories and then subcategories inside of there, which we will get into as we rate them out of 10. The first category is on the page. So that involves the plot, the character breakdown, dialogue, those kinds of things. The second one is on the screen. So production value, acting, casting, directing, and finally on the brain. Did it suspend reality for you? Did you have an emotional connection? Would you recommend it to a friend or a fellow moviegoer? And what was the message? Did you get a strong message out of the film? So, Allison, Mm -hmm. on the page, how did you feel about the plot? So for what it was, I've mentioned before, I enjoy journeys. I did feel like this was a journey of what I kind of tried to express earlier about figuring out his process of love. Like I said as well, I think that there was a lot of new things that I learned and I did find the fever dream feels like the best way to express how this was. So I am going to give the plot an eight. All right. For character breakdown, I thought his character was well-developed. Like you said, there was no exposition there. Oh, you found out about a lot of the people who were in the film based off of natural conversations that were happening. So for character breakdown, I felt like this was a 10. And for dialogue also, I found it to be a 10. I think for me personally, there was no plot in this movie. We're on different spectrums here. We are on different spectrums, which is cool, which is kind of cool. That's the joy of watching movies is that everyone is going to have a different interpretation of it. For me, his character was the plot. So in terms of like actual timing between the beginning and the end, we did go on a journey, but we didn't go on it with the plot. So I'm giving the plot a two. Okay. He was learning things, but it wasn't out of story in my brain. I mean, a little bit with the flashbacks, but I found the flashbacks confusing. Character breakdown, I agree with you. His character is really strong. That's where a lot of the story came from was his mind and what was going on in his mind. We got tiny snippets of him, his childhood, maybe again, I don't really know whether that was fact or dream because it was never established really, which was which it was kind of up to interpretation. I'm not going to give it a 10 though, because I found his character was really well broken down, but a lot of the other ones weren't, Mm. they were all there to serve his, his purpose. I felt some of the women were kind of like lacking dimension with the exception of his wife, which I thought was really strong. So I'm going to give this one an eight. And then for dialogue, I really loved it. I would also give it a 10. There were lots of like thinking points mm-hmm. where it was like something to think on. And those fights were elevated in a really intelligent way. And again, that I think that suspense of that, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? What are, answer these questions? Like all of that contributed very much to like the tone and the feel. Mm-hmm. So final scores for on the page, Allison gives it a 9.33. And for me, it gets a 6.67 onto the screen. 
So for production value, I wish I had more answers on what was intentional and what wasn't. Either way, I loved it. I felt not similar to you and all. Like I did feel <laughs> like they weren't just big rooms. I, I didn't notice how big the rooms were, but I kind of also loved that. So I'm going to give it a 10. Yeah. For acting and casting, it's interesting because I kept on thinking about Citizen Kane since it is the closest in time period. But I'm, I'm also quite interested because the next film we're watching was made in 1968. So I'm kind of curious to see how I feel about that. But compared to Citizen Kane, I found the acting to be be fantastic. Not that acting in Citizen Kane was bad, but there was moments in Citizen Kane where you and I had said in, in the podcast, they were drunk, but we wouldn't know they were drunk unless they had expressed that they were drunk. In this, you knew everything. There was no need for words at points because you knew what was going on. Now, we still have come a long way in terms of acting. I'm not going to give it a 10, but I'm going to give it definitely an an eight. For directing, I felt, yeah, I loved it. I love the directing in it. I'm also going to give it a 10. And you know, I, you know how you mentioned earlier about the shaky cam? I didn't, I did not notice it. No, no, it got better. And that's why I don't know again, if it was intentional or not, because it initially I was like, oh boy, if the whole movie is going to be like this, we're in trouble. And then either I stopped noticing it or it did improve. So for me, for production value, a lot of the settings for me didn't make any sense, which we already talked about, but I thought everything else was really strong. I agreed with you. I thought the costumes were great. I thought the sound was awesome. I think it could have benefited from a better edit, but again, I don't really think that's a production thing. I think that's more a direction thing because if this movie is any indication, I think Fellini had a solid amount of control over what he was doing. But with you, I, I agree. I have questions about whether things were intentional. And I think it's interesting because I didn't question whether anything was intentional in Do the Right Thing. And I mm. don't know Spike Lee any better than I know Fellini. It just felt intentional. Like I got the idea, whereas this was just a mess. It was a mess to me. So I'm going to give production value a six. And then for acting and casting, I agree there were phenomenal performances in this film where it was just so subtle and so for something that looked like an old movie, it had all the benefits of the expanse of acting. There was only one performance that I thought was weird, which was the one, the one guy's girlfriend who was wildly dramatic. Like she seemed not okay. Do you know what oh, I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, the Mark Mario's. Mar Mario's girlfriend. Yeah, it was just like, she was in a different world. And I don't know whether that was the character design, whether he had known someone. So I don't want to fault performance for that because I don't know whose like choice it was. So I would also give it an eight. I agree with you there. And then directing for me is a five. I think there were lots of things that could have been streamlined and designed to make more sense. And I think the reason the movie felt self-indulgent is because the director was self-indulgent. There were lots of things in there that didn't necessarily need to be in there. And and needed a bit of perspective. And again, some of the things of the romanticizing of infidelity and, and that kind of thing just felt weirdly personal and I just didn't agree with it. So maybe that, maybe my emotions are getting too much into this rating, but I've said it, I've said it. But movies should make you emotional. You should feel some form of emotional connection in some way or another that, you know, justifies your opinion. So if you feel that way, I think it's valid. Yeah. Yeah. It's too late. It's already done. <laughs> well, it's done. It's put in. It doesn't, can't be changed. 
<laughs> no, no, no. The delete button does not exist. So for final on the screen, Allison's score is a 9.33 and mine is a 6.33. On to the brain. Suspending reality. I was in it. I don't know if that was because I had to read while I was watching, but I was fully, fully, fully in it. I am going to say I did have to pause at one moment because I felt overwhelmed. So for suspending reality, I'm going to give it a nine. The only thing about suspending reality that took me off was the fact that I've expressed already like and you just said I'm not sure what was intentional what wasn't intentional and that was a little bit unclear I think that it does prove the point of this is an anxiety inducing film so for it not to be clear is good but I do feel like there was moments that could have been a little bit more solid and that would have kept me completely focused emotional connection I truly felt connected to him and the women because in a weird way I felt mostly connected to his wife. And I know that I'm a woman and that makes a lot of sense, but you could see her pain in being married to him for that long and I could just think about not only the the women that he fantasized about or the women that he slept with but also just like the lack of family the lack of community the lack of everything that she's on her own to be married to someone and be so distant from them but also have all that love there was a lot going on for me in in the emotional connection area and at the end with the big circle of people maybe because it's part of my community as being Jewish but I have done stuff like that and to kind of look back at the your whole life because every person every person in his entire world was in that circle and that gave me like sadness in a weird way especially when his mother is walking towards the circle and he's like mom come and she's like you know you're not my priority and she walks to a different side of the circle there was just like little moments where it just felt it just tugged at me so I'm giving that a 10 what I recommend now I would not recommend to someone who wasn't a film person per se. If someone said to me, I love Citizen Kane, I'm like, you know what you should watch? Eight and a half. Because to me, eight and a half, and I adore all the people who love Citizen Kane, but eight and a half to me was a better Citizen Kane. To me, to me. So if someone is a movie buff, if someone is studying film, if someone loves psychology, these are a lot of people that I know. So I would say I would give this a recommendation of like a seven. I think out of seven out of 10 people, I would recommend this too. In terms of message, confusing. It's a confusing message. It's But the thing is, it's last. it's going to last with me probably for the rest of my life this film and I'm going to be thinking about it and I'm going to be thinking about moments in it. So was the message clear? No. But was it, <laughs> will, will it will it last forever and ever and ever? And am I going to be thinking about these small moments and how they, they work for me? Absolutely. So I'm again going to give it a seven for message. Excellent. For me, suspending reality was... It was weird. This movie, the way I would overall describe it is there were moments I loved and that I was really in. It felt like a bunch of short movies. It just didn't fit all together. So I was in and out of reality kind of evenly. Like I was as much in it as I was out of it. I looked up how long that the scene, his life with all of the women in it was. Like I had to like pause and be like, are we still really in this moment? 
moment. And so for me, I think I would give the suspending of reality a seven because I wasn't in it all the time, but I wasn't distracted. And again, I wouldn't say it was 50%. I think it would be 70%. I was in it and found it interesting. So that fits well with my brain. Now for emotional connection, I actually am going to score this one really high, which I feel like is weird considering is like overall, I didn't love it as a movie. But this made me experience all the emotions. It wasn't just, oh, I'm emotionally connected to what happens to that person, or I'm really sad, or, you know, I'm deeply moved. It was like, oh, I felt all of them. I was sad for people. I was, I was feeling anxious. I was feeling angry. <laughs> I was like, it, it took me through a lot of different emotions for better or for worse. So I would give it a 10. Would I recommend this movie? No, I wouldn't. I think, and it's so weird because I did enjoy this one more than Citizen Kane, but I think I saw the potential in it more than Citizen Kane, which is why it was so upsetting to me that it didn't line up or make sense or like wasn't executed better because it could have been so good. So I think I would have to, if I were to recommend this movie, like you said, I would have to ask a lot of follow-up questions of the person. Like if someone came to me and was like, recommend a movie for me, I'd be like, okay, what are you into? And they said old movies. I'd be like, okay, um, do you like art films? Yes or no? Do you like this? Do you like that? Like it would require a lot because I think if you recommended this movie to the average person, they would come back to you and be like, what did you do to me? <laughs> like, why did you do that? Why was that the one? But it's also hard because I do feel like no matter what, you could get something out of this. You're on the fence, Kenny. I am. I'm very confused. I think this one's making me weirdly emotional in my ratings. They're not really logical at this point, but I think recommend is a four because I would recommend it more than I would recommend before sunrise. Big time. Like... I enjoyed it more than that one. But again, I think I would struggle to recommend it unless I was like, listen, I wonder if this would have been better on like shrooms Maybe. <laughs> or if it would have been way worse or if it would have been just like, holy paranoid. Again, I just don't, I'm not sure. Let's Given test it a four. that theory. Let, yes, absolutely. As for message, I thought there were a lot of little messages in it. There were a lot of lines that made me think and made me and gave me pause. But I, in terms of like an overarching message, I thought the movie was a little too self-indulgent to do that mm. for me. Like there wasn't anything. The message I got out of it was like, write your movie, you know, get your homework done. <laughs> which I don't think was the intent of the person who made this movie was that that's what you were supposed to get out of it. I did like the lead character. I liked that he had to learn some things, but at the end, even then I'm like, does, did he really know anything about love? Did he really like improve? Not really. So yeah, I think for message, I'm going to give it a six. Yes. Wow. That's what I've done. So the final scores for on the brain, Allison has given it an 8.25 and I have given it a 6.75. So yeah, this is the first one that is drastically different amongst the two of us. The final scores for Allison are an 8.97 and for myself are a 6.58, bringing the average overall of this film to a 7.78, hmm. which is higher than Citizen Kane, which is, I think where it belongs, but also underneath Godfather. I think that- Yeah, that's a good fit. Yeah. For me, I think it still would have been under Godfather, but I don't think it would have been that far behind. Like, right. I think it would have been probably like a nine. Like, that's my score yeah. was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so does this pass the Bechdel test? Absolutely not. Yes, it does. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. What scene? Um, the women talking about the auditions. They're not talking about him. 
they're talking named? About, yes. They both have names. It's his wife. I have no memory and, of this. Yeah, they're in the audition. They're watching the auditions and they're talking about the women at the auditions. They're talking about are they entertaining? Is she lovely? All that kind of stuff in the uh, theater. And um, the scene with his fantasy, no, because they're all just talking about him. Right. Which I was that, which was intentional, I think. Yeah. But there is that one scene with his wife and his wife's friend whose name is, give me one second, Rosala. Rosala and Claudia have a conversation during the auditions about the women who are auditioning. Okay. I trust you. I don't remember any of that. So, well, if, if I'm wrong, someone tell me. But to yeah. me, I saw that. Leave a comment. Was, yeah. But to me, I was, I saw that and I was like, oh yeah, this is it. So it passes. Weird. Cause who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> no, I trust that more too. Also, we are, we're more lenient. I, cause I think there's like an additional rule to the Bechtel test where the scene has to be longer than a minute, which we're not prescribing to. Um, do the right thing would have wouldn't have made it either. No. And I also think it's hard to like time it as well. Like a lot of what we're doing is watching it once and then doing our honest reviews. Not, we're not. Not diving as deep. I'm sure there are lots of podcasts that will do that, mm -hmm. but I trust you. And if not, someone will tell us. Right. Yes. So day player of the day. So that was kind of hard to figure out just because of the fact that it was in Italian. I originally was looking it up and I thought that my original day player of the day, I wouldn't find because it was very hard for me to find. I was saying my night couldn't, I couldn't. So I have to figure out. Okay. I ended up having two. The first one is Gilda Delberg. So she plays the American kind of reporter woman. Mm -hmm. I just found her. She was actually a heiress. She was this like wealthy woman who lived in Philadelphia and she was born in China. And anyway, she had a very cool life, but I loved her performance. I thought that it was very authentic and cute. And I loved her and her husband's relationship, but she wasn't my original person who I wanted to choose. My original person is Annie. I'm going to say this wrong. Annie Gorosini. That is the girlfriend to Pace. Beginning <sighs> of the film, she had said something and he was like, shut up and she was just like okay and then in the auditions she's like eating ice cream she's like everyone's yes. so old and he was like would you just be quiet and i just i thought she was so funny also this movie's supposed to be a comedy so i've actually found her funny oh yeah this movie is supposed surprise. to surprise i know <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so she's my original pick, Annie. That's fantastic. Both of those performances are great. Like we've talked about in other movies, this movie was great. There were so many supporting smaller roles to shout out, which is always nice to see. I also had a struggle. My original pick was not credited. If you go onto IMDb, there will be a category under the cast list that says uncredited, which means in the film itself, that person did not get credit for the role. And on IMDb, you can kind of just apply for credit. So a lot of the lists under there aren't 100% verified because it's like anyone could claim that they were in the movie. Like a lot of the uncredited roles just say bit part. Like they don't even have a specific thing. So I was really sad I couldn't find him. But if someone else knows who he is, I'm going to say it anyway. He was the worker, the set builder, who at one point... <laughs> What's my role? Guido is like, dance for me. Like, show me why you should be. And then he does like a jig. And then Guido just ignores him and goes back to like his thought process. And the guy's like, wait, hey, wh what's my part? And he's like, go away. 
and just completely dismisses him. And then it goes to him and he's just like, oh, like he's like disappointed and like pissed off that his tiny dance did not get him a role in the film like he was promised. So that I really enjoyed, but have no idea who the actor was. Couldn't find it. So as my backup, I chose Mary Indovino, who was playing the uh, medium, the woman that evening who had the blindfold on, who was saying what was in everyone's purse. Because I think the her, the man assisting her and, and going through and who had a larger role in the movie, I didn't think quite qualified for day player because he was in many more things. Yeah. But I just thought, oh, her, like just her like stature and like the confidence in which she said what was in the bag caught my attention. And so I wrote, I wrote her down also as a, as on my short list. Snaps to day player. Yes. I love it. Cheers. Cheers to anyone in a day player role. We yeah. see you. So that about wraps it up for eight and a half. What are we it watching does. next week, Kendra? <gasps> next week, we have 2001, A Space Odyssey. It was released in 1968. And the monoliths push humanity to reach for the stars after their discovery in Africa generations ago. The mysterious objects lead mankind on an awesome journey to Jupiter with the help of HAL 9000, the world's greatest supercomputer. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That works for us. So interesting. We're getting into a, a sci-fi. Yep. Never. I don't it. think me neither. And I don't think it's often made like sci-fi doesn't often make award shows or notoriety quite as often as as dramas do. So it, it's very interesting that this was on this was on the list. I'm I'm curious. I'm optimistically curious about me this too. one. Yeah. Um. And also, it's this was released only a few years after uh, eight and a half. So I'm very curious to have a couple of films back to back to see style wise how they differ absolutely i'm excited so everyone please join us yeah. go find yourself a copy of 2001 a space odyssey and eat your lunch come home do your homework i said that yes backwards. yeah thank you <laughs> thank you for listening to us thank you so drone much. on and on we're happy to have you here uh go watch movies go watch your movies all right bye guys bye. have a wonderful life bye that sounded so final <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go have the best day of your life. How about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Bye. Bye. 